It is a place where people can come and uh, use their creativity. People can come and uh, something that they may not have ever seen before can be done and used in the church. The best of the best should be Christians and that which is in the church should actually be embraced by those that are on the outside of the church. Could it be possible that the church has become a monument focused on what was good in the past rather than what God is saying and speaking about the future? Is it possible that the church has um, identified him in a box where the question certainly is asked, can we do that in church? But the Bible tells us that everything that God created, he created for his pleasure. Therefore, everything that God has created, he created to worship him, to magnify him. And he created, created it to advance the gospel. The greatest tragedy in life is that the church can no longer be a movement, but just be a monument. And then begin to live over and over and over again the kind of environment that they grew up in. Several years ago, Gwen and I, we went back. I took her to the great state of Louisiana, the great town of Elm Grove, Louisiana. It was a church where I had grown up, and uh, it was a church where I was baptized. And as I drove there, you've got to understand that there is nothing around there for, it's, it's about 30 minutes from where we live, and there was nothing between uh, Shreveport, the city, and Elm Grove, but some open fields and a few cows. Uh, Bossier City um, was uh, one place that was between there. But when I came there and I began to stand in front of the church where I was baptized and I looked over to the right, the pond that I was baptized in, and there was such a gratitude that came over me. Um, so grateful that I began to see where I was or where I had been, but then I began to reflect on where I am right now. And there was such a gratitude as the progress that God has made in my life. It didn't stop there. I went to the neighborhood uh, that I grew up in and I began to see some of my classmates and as I looked around, I recognized that the, some of the people that I went to school with, that their story was not my story, that they were caught in a time capsule and did not advance beyond their high school years. And as I began to talk to some of them, I recognized that some really did not think that their life could change. Some of those that had dreams, those dreams had been shattered. Some of those that had visions, the visions had faded. And they had come to a place where there was little hope. In Psalm 119, verse 49, it's a powerful passage of scripture because it is a scripture where uh, there's a, 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 a believer, a follower of, of Christ, a follower of God. And he says these words here. He says, remember the word to your servant upon which has caused me to hope. 
He says to remember the word that you have given a maid to your servant because it was that word that gave me hope. You know, when God gives you a word, that word is a picture of your future. It is a vision of your future. It is a dream that God has for your life. And when we begin to reflect on that, we begin to reflect on uh, that dream and that vision that God has given. It's so critical that we recognize that when God gives us a picture of our future, he's done it with the word. And as we recognize that word that God has given us, it's important then to be reminded that God very rarely does anything before he says it first. God will usually say what he is going to do before he does it. And so what we uh, look throughout the word of God, what we find is that before the flood came, God told Noah that there was going to be a flood. Noah had to hear the word and respond to the word. We recognize that God told Abraham, he says that Abraham, uh, before you ever will hold Isaac in your arms, I'm going to cause Sarah to become pregnant when she's old and you're old and you can't do it on your own. Then you'll know that's a word from me. And he began to recognize that when God began to speak throughout the word, he uh, told Joseph be uh, before his family would ever bow down to him, he told Joseph that his family would bow down. And uh, we recognize as reading the scripture that his family did when they got to Egypt, that they began to bow down to him. Before David would ever become king, Samuel anointed him and God says that this shall be the king of Israel. And so when God wants to do something, he talks about it. He talks about it. And, and rarely does God do something before, uh, if he has not said something. Now, God will go beyond what you can ask or think, but usually God will talk about what he's going to do. Jesus was prophesied in Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem. It also prophesied in Isaac hundreds of years that Jesus would be, would be born of a virgin and he would be crucified. And so God talks about things. He says things. He gives you a dream. He gives you a future. He gives you a vision before you ever see it come to pass. Now, when I think about that, it's interesting because Psalm 119 verse 49, it talks about remember your word to your servant because it is that word that has given me hope. And it's kind of like a, a follower of God. And, and, and he's praying a prayer. He's like, you know, don't forget about me. Remember the word that you've given to me. And, and, and he believed the word. There was a promise to the word, but he had not seen it fulfilled. And so he says, remember the word, remember the promise, remember the dream, remember the vision that you have given to your servant. We know the Bible tells us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Um, we know that faith tells us it's the substance of things. And we, and we recognize that there is a hope and without hope there cannot be faith. And we, we, we also recognize that the Bible says that the things that were made that were made out of things that are invisible so that we ultimately would see the very thing that was invisible become visible. Now, I want, I want to re reflect your attention to a particular passage in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, 
It talks about the word of God, and we've got to see then why this is so significant. Because I recall that when we uh, were sitting around with those three families and God began to talk about that, 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 that raising, uh, uh, raising uh, 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 champions to fulfill dreams. I, I remember that God talked about to us, and as I this week held the, uh, the first notebook that God was speaking about the ministry, to us. I held that in my hand and began to look back over that. And it was amazing to me that as I began to see that we, uh, uh, that there are great things that God has promised. There are great things that God has said. Uh, uh, there are things that God has spoken over the ministry. There are things that God has spoken over your family. There are things that God has spoken over you. But I want you to see the significance of those words and the significance of holding on to those words. Because how many of you know that God is not into time? He's into timing. So your time, see, a, a, a day is, is like a, 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 a thousand. See, see, God's not into time. He's into timing. And there was this song that you, you, when we grew up, uh, I love it. You know, I love Elton Grove. How many of you know that there are some things from, that you learned uh, growing up that you need to hold on to them? Amen. And then there are some songs that you continue to remember and to remember and you sing and sing and sing. But there are some, uh, I just remember some of those songs that talk about how God works. And, and, and we even see it in the Bible and when, when the, when, when the uh, prophet got to uh, Zarephath and the woman had uh, one meal left. She says, I'm going to do this meal and I'm going to eat it. And me and my son, we're going to die. But God had, all, God had spoken a word. He spoke a word to Elijah. But then God had also spoken a word to the, to the lady. And when she obeyed the word that God had spoken... Although there was a famine, that one meal turned into 3,000 meals. So notice the significance of God's word. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, when God gives you a, a, a picture beyond where you are. A picture beyond the job that you have. A picture beyond the company that you're working at. A picture beyond the money that you got in the, have in the bank. A picture beyond where you are right now. When God gives you a picture beyond that, it's so significant. And come on, champions, let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Let's read it together like we know it is the word of his power. Now, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made. The things that we see were not made of things that we see. So the things that we see were made of things that were invisible, but those things that were invisible became visible. And the Bible tells us that the worlds, worlds, worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed by the word of God. And so what we recognize then is that the writer, it seems like he's talking about creation. But he's really not talking about creation. He says the worlds were framed by the word of God. This word worlds, in the, uh, in the Greek, it means enios, A-I-O-N, I-O-S. 
And I love to give it to you because the Bible says you study to show yourself approved a workman that needs not what? Needs not what? Need not to be ashamed. And so it is the word which means uh, specific periods of time. It is the word, this word worlds, it means different generations during the history of mankind. And so by faith, we understand that periods of time were framed by the word of God. By faith, we understand that different generations during the course of time were framed by the word of God. Well, we need, now we know that it's not just the beginning, but it's every generation. But, but notice this. It says we're how? We're framed, framed, framed. This word framed, it gives a picture of taking something that already exists and altering it to look better. And it gives a picture of there is something that is happening that God is not pleased with. Therefore, he gives a word to reshape, realter the thing that he's not pleased with to become pleasing to him. And so this particular passage of scripture tells us how significant a word, a dream, a vision that God gives to you, how significant that is in the course of time. So it tells us then that the worlds or generations, we understand that different periods of time were, were re-altered, reshaped by the word of God. Different generations during the course of mankind, different periods were altered, that were reshaped. Notice this. People who received a word from God has been, have been used by God to re-alter something that's not pleasing to God so that it can be pleasing to him. And so the Bible tells us then right now in the book of Hebrews, it says that different generations and periods of time were altered by people who had received a word from God. The Lord. So notice this, why that word is so significant. Why is so significant? And so we recognize then that the word is significant and, and, and the Bible says that God will watch over his word to, per, to perform it. So how does God watch over his word even from the beginning before you were ever born? Look at this, Psalm 139. It says it like this. It tells us that verse 16 it says, your eyes saw my substance being yet un, uh, unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as, when as yet there were none of them. And one translation says that before you scheduled each one of my days before I was ever born. Isn't that wonderful to know that God scheduled each one of your days before you ever took one breath? God scheduled, oh, come on, you've got to say this, you, you've got to get that in your spirit. Come on, would you say that with me? God scheduled each one of my days before I was ever born. Now, if God scheduled each one of your days before you were ever born, how significant is it is to hear the word, receive the word, and never give up on the dream, the vision, and the future that God has, has spoken over you, the promises that he's made on, you, on behalf of your family, 
on behalf of your children, on behalf of your life. It's so significant. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you this. Because a schedule or an appointment, God has, a, has made appointments for you throughout the day. A schedule or an appointment, it embodies three things. A time, a place, and a people. So when God, when you go on an appointment, you're going for time, you're going to a place to meet somebody. And so God scheduled each one of your days. He had a specific time. God scheduled each one of your days. He had a specific place. God scheduled each one of your days. He had specific people. Now notice the significance of when you miss an appointment. Oh my God. That what the benefit at that moment you don't receive simply because without faith, without the word, without showing up for the appointment, it is impossible to receive the reward. And so what God has done is that God has scheduled each one of your, your, your days. And he's saying, hey, hey, just listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Now, I'm going to give you one particular passage of scripture. But before I do that, I want to share this really quick story that, that is a very popular story in the Bible. It's a story of, of Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old when God gave him a dream. God gave him a dream at 17 that he would be a ruler over his family. His brothers did not appreciate that dream. And so as a result of that, they threw him in a well, threw him in a hole, threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him, but they decided not to. When they threw him in that pit, there were, the Midianites came along. They were on their way to Egypt. So he was slow, sold into slavery. He goes to Egypt. And he residents at Potiphar's house. Potiphar sees the favor of God on him. And he makes him and puts him over his household. Now Joseph was a handsome man who had the favor of God and the favor of man. And Potiphar's wife lied on him. And when she uh, uh, wanted to to sleep with him, and he says, notice this, he didn't say, I cannot do this against my master Potiphar. He says, I cannot do this against what? The Lord. So notice this, he was like, I'm willing to lose the favor of man, but I want to keep the favor of God. Because how many of you know that if you keep the favor of God, it may not look like the favor of God is upon you, but it is. And that if you'll be willing to say, I'm going to keep and honor the word of God. I'm going to keep the favor of God. Because if I have the favor of God, I can always get the favor of man. And so when she lied up on him and, and Potiphar comes out, what do they do? They put him in prison. But you know what? All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called. A call, a word. Oh, wait a minute. All things work together for good, for those who love him and who call, oh, oh, oh. how do you call with your voice? What are you speaking? Words. All things work together 
for the good of those who, are, who, who, who love him and have received the word from him. How do, you, how, how do you love him? Well, the Bible says, he who keep my... <laughs> are the ones who love me. So God is not unfaithful to forget his labor of love as you labor for the saints. And so notice this. All things, would you say that all things? Work together for my good. Because I love him. And I have a word from the Lord. So, so, so Joseph is, he's, it looks like his life has ended when they throw him. And then now he's sold into slavery. It looks like his life has ended. And, and, and now he's in a house, but now he's got favor of man now. And, 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 but then now his wife takes that favor away. Why? Because, see, every time he had favor, he got a coat. His father gave him a coat of many colors. The favor of man. In Potiphar's house, Potiphar gave him a coat. But when the, the, the wife tried to pull on that favor, Joseph ran out of it. And he left the favor of man behind. What is it? He gets in prison. Why? He goes to prison. Look, the butler and, and, and the baker are in prison. But see... God has scheduled each one of his days. And when enemy tried to do some bad stuff in his life, God would use it for his good. What did he do? He gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And so the butler and the, and the baker now, they've, they've got a dream. Joseph interprets their dream. One gets out. And Joseph says, man, don't forget about me. But now he goes back to work in the, in the, in the palace of Pharaoh and, and he forgets about him. Two years. But Joseph never lost confidence in the word that God gave to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in some that God evaluated him based on the word that he had given to him. So God is not evaluating you based on your past. God is not evaluating you based on what you have done. But God is evaluating you based on what you are willing to do and where you're willing to go. So, 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 so Joseph now, he's forgotten about it, but now Pharaoh has a dream. Seven fat, seven skinny cows. Wait a minute. Nobody can interpret that dream but say, wait a minute now. Oh, remember the word that you gave to your servant for it is that word that has given me what? Hope. Wait a minute, I know someone that was in prison. His name was Joseph that could interpret dreams. They bring him before the Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. And now Joseph is put in second command at the very time that there's a famine in the promised land. His family comes. Joseph recognizes them. They've done him wrong, but he didn't hold the grudges. The people that came to him demonstrated that they didn't want the favor, uh, their favor upon him, but he kept the favor of God. And when they came, when they began to uh, speak with him, he says, bring my father. And when his family came, Joseph was able to take care of them. And when his brothers realized who he was, they, 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 they were afraid he was going to kill them. But what he said that, no, what you did to me, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
See, God will turn the things that have worked against you. God will turn the things. He'll turn those things. Cause you to break out. See, 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 when you break out, the hindrances aren't hindrances anymore. God will turn those things for your good. He'll cause all those things to work together. You know, all those bad things, all the words that were spoken against you, all the promotions that you were passed over for, he just keeps putting them in a basket, mixing them up. And a pound cake comes out of it. One verse I'm give you, and then we're going to begin to wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. I want you to remember this particular passage. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. See, you, how many of you know you can see a confident person? God says, don't take it off. And what's confidence? We, are, we have the confidence to know that when we pray, you hear us. And because you hear us, you grant our petition. And although I might not have seen it yet, I'm confident, so I'm wearing confidence. So do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. And, and, and what that is, is it's, it's like a, a, something God puts on you so people can see your faith. Something you, you wear that, that, that even the woman with the issue of blood, God said that, the Bible says he saw her faith. Even the people that went on the rooftop and tore the roof off the place to let their, their, their uh, uh, a friend down, the Bible says Jesus looked up and he saw their what? Faith. God sees your faith. When you don't let go of the word, the dream, the vision, a picture of your future that he has given to you. He sees your faith. And you wear it around. He sees your faith. So it says that don't cast away your confidence. Don't, don't, don't throw it off. Don't put it aside. And notice this. What it's really doing is it's giving an analogy. It's given an analogy of a people that are just tired of waiting. Look, I, I believe I got the dream shattered. My vision is faded. I'm just, I, I, I'm just tired of waiting for God. And so what happens? They were standing on the word, but then they began to sit down on the word. And when you sit, you can't move. There's no movement, there's no progress. But then it gives an analogy of, of how the progression takes place. They're sitting and now over a period of time they start reclining on the word that God has given them. And then they go from reclining to going to sleep on the word that God has given to them. And he says that do not go to sleep on the word that God has given to you. Don't go to sleep on your dream. Don't go to sleep on your vision. You be like that, that psalmist that says, remember the word that you've given to your servant. It is that word that has given me hope. 
And you know what? When you can't see it's working, it's working. When it looks like you're not making progress, it's working. When you cannot see it, it's working. And God says that keep wearing your confidence. Keep wearing your faith. Keep wearing your dream. Keep wearing your vision. Why? It's because there's a scheduled moment, a time, a place with some people where you'll ultimately see the fulfillment of what I have said. Amen.